This is a true grit. This is the grit that comes from understanding purpose and understanding that actually beyond failure or success is the labor towards the mission. Even at the loss of your beloved friend, your other, your partner, the one who created the balance that by accessing all of that, by going deep into that own sense of purpose, you've arrived at a place of equanimity. It's not as if the scars are still not there, but that is the strength, as I often say, of the broken-hearted warrior. In this case, warrior having nothing whatsoever to do with violence and having more to do with understanding labor and duty and focus and purpose. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. On a crisp, perfect autumn night, beneath the spectacular Colorado skies in 2018, I found myself face to face with a roaring, crackling fire, and I was talking to it. Fire, I'm here tonight to offer you the grief of losing my mother. Now this was a surprising moment, not just because I was talking to a fire, and not just because I was speaking in front of a group. But the most surprising thing about this moment was the realization that had led me to it. I was ready to let go of the grief. I've spoken often of my mom, Laurie, who died after battling breast cancer on December 18th, 2005, at the age of 53. Her passing was one of the hardest moments of my life. And in that moment, she took her last breath. It felt like the life, the man I was before, went up in flames. And so much that I knew to be important to me, so much of what I depended on for stability, safety, support, love, it disappeared in her last exhale. And I was left with the ashes of my life before. But like the phoenix, a new life arose from the ashes, a new me. The moments and years that followed my mom's death were some of the most transformational of my life. And in the ashes of sadness and loss, I was able to ask new questions of myself, new questions of my life. I found new doorways, new relationships, new experiences that just reshaped the man that I was. As hard as that was to lose her, it was an invitation to becoming a man that I am today. Someone who is more sure of themselves. Someone driven by purpose, not fear. And that invitation is one that I accepted. Now I miss my mom every single day, but with distance, some reflection. A new feeling emerged when I thought about her death. Gratitude, which led me to the fire on that cool October night in Colorado in 2018. In the 13 years following her death, my world and my life had changed dramatically. But one constant remained, the grief. I clung so tightly to the grief because it felt like the one true connection that I still had to my mom. And in feeling the pain and sadness of her absence, feeling the pain and sadness of my kids not knowing her, I felt connected to her. And I was terrified of letting go of that. But when I put down the grief, I picked up the gratitude. I was able to see how much the experience of her death meant 
I was able to move beyond the pain of those final few months and reconnect again with all of the amazing experiences that had come prior to her passing. When I put that grief in the fire, I started a new relationship with my mom, one where I was able to be the man that I am today, and not just the boy who was stuck in the sadness of her death. And I was finally able to see and appreciate what her death meant for my life. And that's the thing about grief and loss. There's an opportunity available to us in some of life's hardest moments. We can change, we can grow, we can find a deeper connection to purpose, a deeper connection to who we are, if we accept the invitation. Nitin, too, is a man who knows well the pangs of shock and grief. After losing his co-founder and dear friend unexpectedly, he was left to pick up the pieces of the company, pick up the pieces of his life. In this conversation with Jerry, he shares the story of the loss and the impact it had on him and how he ultimately found a stronger base, a base of himself, a base for his life in the wake of the tragedy. Enjoy. Are you looking to stay up to date on all things Reboot? Join our mailing list to receive updates on the podcast, including our most recent episodes, corresponding blog posts, and updates on exclusive Reboot services and events. Head to Reboot.io slash sign up. Welcome, Nitin. It's good to see you. Good to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself to us? Sure. Um, so my name is Nitin. I'm the co-founder of Interstrike. Uh, it's a platform to support international students that are studying in the U.S. And really, I built this company from my own experience as an international student uh, who came uh, to the U.S. from Nepal um, at a pretty early age. So I came to the U.S. when I was 17. And uh, so in the last 20 years, having gone through the undergraduate experience, the graduate experience, um, had to leave the country a couple of times because of visa issues. Um, so it's been a lot, a very challenging journey, but a rewarding one at, at, at the same time. And so, so through this experience, um, what we, me and my co-founder realized there was a way to optimize this, this experience for, for the next generation of students to come, which really, you know, took us away from our career to start this company. And what we want to do is partner with hired institutions and employers and, and other players in this space to make sure that international students who leave their home and family and, and spend so much uh, resource to, to gain quality education, they deserve the best and they get the best out of this experience as well. So that's really what, what um, I'm doing in, in my life and, and mm. keeps me going. Well, uh, thank you for that. And, and I have a little bit of background, uh, but why don't, you, why don't you share a little bit more about what brought you to reach out um, to, to come on the show? Yeah. So there was a couple of things. I, I think generally I have this, this personality where I'm very afraid of failure. Um, mm. you know, there's a sense of doing the right thing, trying to make sure things are going in the right direction and, um, always achieving and making sure that things are, you know, I'm, I'm performing at the top of the level and, and then the second is in a couple of years ago, so we started this journey almost three, three and a half years ago with uh, Interstride. Um, 
And a couple of years ago, my co-founder, who was also one of my best friends, he had a sudden cardiac arrest uh, during Memorial Day weekend. And same age as me, he was, I, I believe, 35 at that time and perfectly healthy individual um, ended up having a cardiac arrest. And next day, when his wife uh, messaged me saying he had some sort of a heart attack, I didn't really you know, think it was anything major because I just didn't think it could be anything serious. But later found out that you know, because of that cardiac arrest, his, his brain was completely damaged because there's no oxygen. Um, and so as a result, he, he passed away. Um, which was a huge setback to me as an individual um, because he was such a close confidant. And, you know, I was talking to him almost on a daily basis. We were exchanging 500 text messages per day and making four phone calls. Um, and suddenly it was, there was this huge vacuum because I'm already away from my family in the U.S. And this was a person who was almost, you know, almost like my partner um, mm. or was a partner, a business partner, but like a life partner as well, in, in some sense. And so I was lost for a long time in terms of what exactly is the purpose <laughs> where life can just vanish in a minute. And mm. we both had this great vision and, you know, this partnership that we wanted to solve something. Um, so it was almost starting off fresh and, and having this resilience to start off again alone. So you know, I have been able to carry on from that journey from from not having him as a as a partner, but that sense of excitement or or that that thrill that was there and that camaraderie with together with someone um, that's missing. So, how to go about it and find it alone individually and keep that spirit in me um, that you know his legacy is also part of this um, mission. Wow. That's not, it's not a common co-founder story. Mm -hmm. And it's not something I haven't experienced before or seen before. And so I'd be happy to have the conversation with you about that. And I think, I think um, maybe we can start with, tell me his name. His name is Christian, Christian Eder. And, and you said he was your best friend. When did you meet? So I met him in 2010. We attended the MBA program together. Um, so very similar to me. His, he came as an international student to the U.S., um, attended USC as an undergrad. Um, we met at Berkeley during our MBA program. And very similar background. We both were in the financial services sector, um, not really fulfilled in our corporate careers. And so that's we really the, the bonding factor was we both loved playing tennis, watching tennis. Um, so we were, you know, tennis, uh, we started off playing tennis and then just we hit it off on many different levels. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was he like? Well, Christian was was a very humble guy, maybe one of the uh, most humble people I've met in my life, and just a genuine, authentic guy. Didn't you know? Was a really wanted everyone 
to to be happy. He was a very happy person. Um, just not even an ounce of evil in him. Um, and very hardworking, diligent, family oriented. Um, he has uh, two kids, a girl and a boy right now. They're six and, or sorry, seven and four. Um, and just very strong work ethic um, from the, his Austrian roots. Mm. And, it, uh, and, 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 and a very good friend. Um, so just overall, I just missed that finding such a genuine character. What's it been like for you these last few years? Well, I would say a little bit lonely um, to be working and, and carrying this forward without him. Um, also, just, you know, that energy that I, so we had a nice balance where he was this patient person, um, always very stable and um, grounded in, in certain way. I was a little bit more energy and we, we had a nice balance between the two of us. And so sometimes I, I missed that energy from him where he had that patient, stable mm -hmm. approach and looked at the big picture and not, you know, focus so much on the business side of things, but like just connecting to the vision and mission. So from, from a personal side, I mean, I definitely miss him as a friend, as, you know, as a, as, as someone who was very close to me, shared my life stories and everything that happened day to day with him, with what stressed me. And so that's, that's gone. Um, from a business side, obviously he had skills and, and experiences that he brought and the value that he brought to the business and that's gone as well. So yeah. it's, it's been difficult to say none the least, but you know, that's, I, I keep thinking that his spirit is still there. His energy is still there and wherever he is. Um, and he's supporting in that, that way. And, and I think in, in one of your notes to us, you talked about the fact that you felt like um, it was just hard to keep going. Mm-hmm. Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, it's, I think, more than hard to keep going. I think it's it's the joy that, you know, that the, that camaraderie or that, that teamwork with him, the um, the partnership is, is what's not there anymore, right? Um, what does keep me going is the fact that I'm still very closely tied to the vision and mission of supporting because it stems directly from, from our joint experience, Christian had the same experience. He experienced those same challenges of being sent out of the country. Um, I experienced that same thing where, you know, despite doing everything right, um, we were, we had to leave the country. And so we, we understand that pain and uh, um, what students go through and, and when they come, they leave their family. So that, that's what keeps me going and keeps me tied to, to making sure that this vision is a success. And now there's an added factor of keeping it alive also for him um, his legacy is in this in this business is, is part of this company and i i not only want to do it for myself but definitely for him as well to say look what we started um, but i i definitely miss that 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 interaction with him the the joint um yeah and so sometimes not having that and and also it's so hard to replace you can't just create that relationship with you know a new co-founder, for example, I can't bring in anyone to the company and expect that. And also, there are pivotal moments within the within our growth where I 
tried to bring in some of my other friends, but it's just, it's not the same. The energy between two individuals, it's so unique that it's hard to replicate. And, you know, it's just almost a fortunate accident that you meet some people in life where you click with them so well. Um, and when that magic is gone, it's just gone. You know, um, a couple of things occur to me. One is that it's, um, well, first I, I, I would just share my condolences in the sadness at the loss. It's clearly, um, you know, so many conversations we have as coaches are, are about co-founder relationships that go awry. Mm-hmm. This is a relationship that that partnership uh, that that can feel deeper than just business colleague. Mm-hmm. This is a relationship that was going right, mm-hmm. and um, and the other thing that strikes me is that grief has no uh, statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. Right, it has no place where it just runs out, um, and it continues to impact you mm-hmm. years later. And I just want to acknowledge that that's true for you, and. I caught a glimmer of something and it could be a projection on my part. So just reject it if it's not right. But I notice Nitin that you, in addition to being organized around a fear of failure as you identified, which tells me that you're a pretty high achieving person who made your way somewhat stubbornly, somewhat persistently (laughs) to the United States and you just kept going. But uh, you also felt energized and inspired by the idea of helping up people like you or people like you and Christian who are going through the same struggles. But now you carry an additional burden, which is... Uh, to live up to his legacy or to maintain his legacy. And my first reaction was to look to your shoulders and see how burdened they might be. What's it like carrying that responsibility? I I wouldn't say there's a burden and I don't feel... I'm burdened by, you know, because again, just bringing his energy back um, Mm -hmm. or just thinking of Christian, he's, he's not the type of person who would burden anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And so just knowing him, he's one of those. And like, even keeping that energy with me, if anything, he's one, he was one of those people who would take your burden away. Um, Anything that was difficult um, anything that was challenging, he would do the challenging part and give you the easier thing to do. So that makes me feel much lighter about, you know, when even 
having him part of this. I mean, not that he's here in, in, in physical, but I just have this idea that his energy is floating around um, very much. So in whichever realm that is, um, and it doesn't burden me. It doesn't, he doesn't burden me. And the idea of keeping his legacy doesn't burden me because again, he was so humble. I don't think there's any, a lot of this legacy, I think also relies on, you know, a person's ego where your name is supposed to last through time and generation, but nothing lasts forever. And I think both of us were not doing this or not doing this. I'm still not doing this for my own, you know, like glamour or ego, or it's just something meaningful and you do it from day to day what keeps you up and makes life interesting and and same for him i i just don't think he he would care about christian's name being associated with the business or and ultimately what does that even mean right so i think we had that mindset where it's it wasn't like really to to stand out and say oh we started this company so i i, I don't feel burdened by that but maybe just burdened by the fact that it's me by myself as opposed to, you know, two people carrying the weight. I appreciate that distinction. And, and I loved how you lit up when you talk about his energy still being there. Mm -hmm. I think about the people in my own life who have passed away, whether it's my parents or relatives or grandparents or friends, pardon my therapist, a uh, long-time therapist with whom I, I talked for almost 30 years. Someone asked me the other day, do I miss her? And I said, well, no, because I talk to her every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're smiling because I think you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I can hear her voice. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes she says, good job, Jerry. And sometimes she says, no, you can do better than that, Jerry especially as she acts a bit as my mentor in the work I do as a coach. I'm curious what Christian would say to you or what he possibly does say to you when you step into the burden of feeling alone. Yeah, so I, I have that, you know, conversation with myself <laughs> at least and um i i do feel his his energy and i've i've spoken to his wife many times and i always tell her and i don't know what she thinks about it but i always tell her that you know i always feel christian's energy is there so and which has kept me going ever since i mean people have you know like recently with this even with this incubator when they hear my story about oh, losing a co-founder a couple of years ago and being able to continue despite that um, they think it's some sort of resilience um, but I, I don't think it was resilience it's just you know having that energy and, and making sure that I was talking to him I was looking for that reinforcement for him to say okay good job you're, you're doing the right thing just keep going one step at a time and and you'll get there you know and what is that final destination right no one knows um it's not it's not something monetary it's just making sure that you're you have a goal towards that vision and mission again um and just taking even slow steps are fine but making that gradual path as opposed to questioning yourself and and doubting yourself and 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 doubting the abilities that you have have as, as an individual as well 
Um, so I, I, I do get that constant reinforcement from my, my conversations or from that energy, as you mentioned, with, where he just tells me to be patient, to keep going. And part of it was his energy again, right? He was this very patient person. And I was always rushing him. It's like, hey, we need to hit revenue deadlines. We need to, you know, we need to make X amount of dollars by this time to go to the next level. And he would say, you know, what, what are you going to do once you get to that point? Um, just just take it easy. I mean, um, so so I do think that has helped me quite a bit um, in mm. being resilient. Mm. Would you mind if I read something to you? And, and this is going to come from my own book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, your, your conversation um, and the things you reference reminded me of this. And, and so, you know, I'm sort of feeling that maybe, maybe this will feel resonant for you. This is from a chapter in the book called... Uh, Heartbreak, Resilience, and the Path to Equanimity. The heartbreak of every day. Here's a fact to break your heart. Chestnut trees, parents, children, friends, lovers, and dreams all die. Our children stepping into our footprint struggle, fumbling their way through to adulthood, bearing skinned and scarred knees, broken hearts, and the imprint of wretched disappointment. They managed this while navigating the unrelenting compulsion to find the person they were born to be, toiling against forces that would have them be someone else. The resulting heartbreak becomes the means of self-discovery and ultimately self-creation. A CEO develops a rare blood cancer and funding for the company is threatened. A fiancé calls off the wedding a month before the ceremony. A marriage ends when a spouse dies. Customers reject us. Investors abandon us. Our companies, the embodiments of our wishes and dreams, crash and burn after years of riding the roller coaster. Our ability to love and be loved, to feel safe and that we belong, is challenged daily by the everydayness of heartbreak and struggle. We struggle with these painful realities of birth, old age, sickness, and death, trying desperately, usually vainly, to see the heartbreak of every day, not as evidence of our own unworthiness and unlovability, but as life merely unfolding as intended. That struggle exacerbates the everyday pain. We struggle to accept the roller coaster for what it is, life. The point of riding the roller coaster isn't to be better at riding roller coasters. It's to learn how not to board the roller coaster at all. Resiliency isn't the goal, it's the path. The goal is the equanimity of a warrior. The first step on the path of resiliency and the movement towards a warrior's equanimity are taken by having your heart broken open with the everyday skinning of your child's knee, the dismembering of a tree, or the death of a spouse. You know, listening to you process 
made me feel like I was watching a warrior who stepped into equanimity. What I'm sensing is a man who never forgets his friend, but has learned how to move beyond the grief. Who has learned that beyond resilience is the sense that you're gonna be okay. And that the company being okay is an example of you and Christian being okay. And I'm curious if that has any resonance for you. Yeah, I, I absolutely think, you know, you're, you're dead on. I mean, before this event, I would rely so much on Christian's stability for my own stability. Um, he was that positive energy, which I relied so heavily on um, to give me that base, stable base, because if anything went wrong, Christian was my guy. And I, I relied on that. But once he was gone, the whole foundation was shaken. And I had to rediscover myself because who was my, you know, who, what would give me that stability? And in some way, this unfortunate event gave me the opportunity to find my own base or, or create that, you know, situation for myself. And part of that was a really a difficult journey for six months um, of self-discovery and identifying your, your true core and your strength. And, but after passing through that grief, I was able to, to find that, that core inside me where I could do it all by myself. What do you think gave you the means and the capacity to move in that way, to, to, to discover that core? I think part of it was, again, coming back a little bit about the fear of failure, mm. and, you know? Um, as I mentioned, I, I want to, to not fail. So there is that underlying factor. I don't know if, if that was the right approach or not, but it was just a, an instinct that was just something where I had to continue because there was no backup for me. There's nothing else. I mean, what else would I do? Fail? Right. Failure is not an option in this regard. Exactly. And for me, I, I had limited network in the U.S., for example, limited social family ties. Um, mm. And I didn't want to just sob about it and, and see that as an excuse for not moving forward. Um, so I guess a little bit of it was just pure desperation um, where I had to keep going and having that that combined with a little bit of mindfulness. So in, in the past, I've always meditated. Um, you know, I grew up um, in a Hindu family. And so part of uh, what you're taught uh, through the, the Indian Bible, which is the Bhagavad Gita, is to continue doing the labor, but not expecting fruits of the labor. That's like the first paragraph of the book, right? And, and that's really the, 
the idea that I grew up with to continue doing the work, but not expecting fruits from, from the labor. Um, and so in this case, what was my duty? Well, my duty was to continue doing what I was doing and not looking back. And, and combine that with that energy that I created from Christians, you know, passing away and his, his embodiment of, of the business and just him being present around me, I just was able to carry on. And I still have that same aura today where I think it gave me a little bit of the momentum to carry on and to continue and, and, and use that as a force to, to strengthen my own uh, thought process. You know, what I'm hearing is uh, a man who is able to reach in and in some ways reach into the past of the of the stories of our childhood and the, and the, you know the resource that spirituality can give us mm-hmm. and the and 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 then to tap into one of the world's great great wisdom traditions mm-hmm. hinduism and even specifically the bhagavad gita mm-hmm. And uh, why does the Bhagavad Gita tell us to labor on? Mm-hmm. Why does it say that? What is the benefit of doing that? Well, I think the biggest thing there, and I can go on and on about <laughs> this, this spiritual philosophical conversation, but the biggest thing is not to be distracted. Again, it's a very simple thing, right? As an entrepreneur, for example, eyes on the vision and the mission, not to mm-hmm. think about the dollars, not to think about the investors, not to think about the stakeholders, but the vision itself. So if you've embarked on the journey, and this was a message in the book, really, it's the it's Krishna, the God, giving mm-hmm. this advice to a warrior who is, and which brings out to a point about the warrior. Yes. <laughs> Um, so the warrior is Arjun in this uh, in the book, right? And he's telling Arjun to keep fighting, and he's fighting against his cousins because they're fighting for the throne. Um, two families, and the other family is is the Kauravas. Um, Arjun is fighting for the Pandavas, and so he tells them to kill the cousins. It's fine because he's on the on this path of of becoming a warrior, and in order to become the king, that's his path. And so not to think about anything else, about the relations, about anything, but focusing on that mission of, of becoming the king or fulfilling his duty as a warrior. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times, you know, people or this might sound like I, I know everything, but I, I don't. I mean, this is again, mm-hmm. I've taken this to heart, but but I feel a lot of distraction comes from so many different things in life, like monetary social acceptance validation but all those are those are noise right and ultimately your focus needs to be on the vision because that's the ultimate north star um, for anyone and and that's what the book tells you because it's it is that central premise um, of any individual Hmm. you know i i think back to your first assertion about the fear of failure how does Arjun overcome his fear of failure? His fear is the doubt of 
you know, mm-hmm. killing his cousins. And he has no doubt in his abilities. Um, he knows he is a great warrior. He knows, you know, his, his skills. Um, so he has absolutely no doubt about his, his skills that he is the best warrior. His reluctance or doubt or hesitation comes from if he's doing the right thing. Um, and that was his fear, whether he's doing the right thing by killing his cousins to take the throne, which is in his mind also very superficial, like what is, you know, mm-hmm. the throne. Um, but his, he overcomes it by just, again, through the wisdom, relying on this wisdom from Krishna, where God tells him, just fulfill your duty. This is your reason for existence and in this planet and do what you're supposed to do without questioning it. And that gives him that comfort of mind. So a little bit, I guess, is ignorance. <laughs> just not over-questioning um, every little thing in life, but fulfilling your reason of existence. Um, and, and in his case, that was very true because God told him, uh, Krishna, Lord Krishna tells him that to follow this blindly, um, and in doing so, um, leaving aside, you know, in our modern sensibilities, the notion of killing family members is a bit of a stretch, <laughs> but, but it's a parable, right? It's, it's, it's a teaching story. And um, the lesson is appropriate. And what I'm hearing is that um, the lesson is that to fulfill his purpose, mm-hmm. to labor in the pursuit of the purpose actually, not only for him, but for you, created the path through the heartbreak, through the resilience, which, as I often say, is a kind of false grit. It's a kind of grin and bear it. It's a kind of, I'm going to take a punch. But this is a true grit. This is the grit that comes from understanding purpose and understanding that actually beyond failure or success is the labor towards the mission. And that even at the loss of your beloved friend, your other, your partner, the one who created the balance that by accessing all of that by going deep into that own sense of purpose you've arrived at a place of equanimity you've arrived at a place that it's not as if the scars are still not there they're of course there even from the 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 very first hello that we had i could feel it but that is the strength as i often say of the broken hearted warrior and in this case warrior having nothing whatsoever to do with violence and having more to do with understanding labor and duty and focus and purpose am i naming something that feels true to you absolutely that's what's you know kept me going so far i mean it's been almost two years mm-hmm. um, since Christian passed away. And uh, the first year after his uh, his funeral, I mean, it was just 
so difficult and I barely had time to even process everything because I had to continue working. I had to, you know, make sure that company was still operational and, and the clients were happy. And so there wasn't even, but I was able to somehow process it through, through counseling, through, through making sure there were outlets to, to grieve, um, speaking to his wife. Um, but coming out of that now, slowly and eventually, I do feel much stronger um, not just not just from an emotional standpoint, but just like deep psychological, you know, stability. As I mentioned earlier, um, it it gave me that opportunity to where everything gets shaken, and then you you realize you can still fall on your feet. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's exactly how I feel. Where things can go wrong, and things will go wrong, but. I have that ability now to at least manage myself and manage my emotions and manage um, all the turmoil around it. Yeah, if I can harken back to the little reading I did, the notion that things go wrong is evidence that you're actually living, right? Because uh, wrong primarily means unplanned. Wrong means uh, in a disappointing way, right? And that is actually the norm. Um, things can go unplanned in a in a in a wonderful way, right? Um, and again, that is the norm. Um, and I think what wisdom traditions. Uh, like Hinduism has done for you, like your family, like your ancestors, what they have given you is a broader and deeper understanding uh, and the ability to, to sort of step back and, and admire the roller coaster and not necessarily get sick on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And you gave yourself the gift of grieving. Mm-hmm so that you could move through this. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe what would be interesting to do now is somewhere out there, someone's gonna listen to this recording and uh, they too maybe have lost, ju- just lost a co-founder mm-hmm. or a lover or a parent or a child what might you share with them from your experience? Because if you recall, one of the hardest parts you seem to experience was the aloneness. Mm-hmm. And so what can you do? What would you say to them in their aloneness? Yeah, I'm, I'm in no way, you know, an, an expert who, who can who can sympathize with with losing maybe a family member and I lost a friend so I know what I went through um and part of my experience was one of shock at in the beginning where it was something you know there's one thing when someone is of age and it's it's Mm -hmm. natural it's inevitable and you expect Mm -hmm. someone to pass away but when you're 35 and you're in in healthy um in, in perfect health, it's it's another thing where it's completely taken you off guard. And for me, part of what was to process the understanding of, you know, 
that this is natural, even though it might be, might we might think of it as unnatural, but you know, ultimately there are no rules. You know, you don't have to be 90 or 100 to pass away. I mean, same thing could happen to me and mm-hmm. Christian could be the one who was carrying on this work, right? Um, and there's absolutely no rhyme and reason. So just accepting that fact that there are no rules to this and like we can't fight or there's no answers to seek. No one is going to give any answers. So it took time to accept that really, um, that, you know, at some point, but also the fact that regardless of where he was, that again, coming back to that spiritual, spiritual side of things, that his energy was still there and making a constant effort to also seek that energy, not just expecting it to come to me, but, you know, again, like, like you did asking questions um, and asking for help as well. And I said, Christian, look, I need your help here. (laughs) And like, you're gone, you left me, but I do need your help. And, you know, it reciprocates in some way and it's Mm -hmm. hard to explain. And it it does sound a little bit of a sixth sense or, you know, something Mm -hmm. supernatural, but it's, it's not, it's, it's very much there and you feel it and maybe it's pure psychological, but it helps. And it helps a lot in, in moving forward and in, in carrying um, and going ahead in life and, and, and making sure you're going it together with the person who you've lost. And so I, I just think rather than, you know, dismissing the person as gone, it's, it's just keeping that, that positive energy. And, and for me, what helped a lot was seeking external help. So I, I did go through counseling, you know, there's a lot of taboo. And, and personally, I was also of this idea, oh, I don't need counseling. Um, but counseling does help a lot. And just bringing those emotion back of so what that relationship meant to you. Um, why was it so important? And what was it about Christian that you admired so much in my case? Um, just understanding the beauty of the relationship that you went through together during this brief moment you have, you know, on this planet um, and appreciating the fact that I had the chance to meet such a great individual and such a great relationship that we were able to forge for the brief duration of that time. Um, and, you know, there's that gratitude that I have towards him, towards towards the nature that created that environment and everyone else who, who participated in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think gratitude in the end is the answer um, as opposed to being angry at the person leaving. You may have called yourself not an expert, but I think that was expert advice <laughs> because it came from your heart and it came from your lived experience. And uh, I have profound gratitude for you. Um, I think today you've given me a sense of who Christian was, who he is, how it lives forward. And um, you've really laid out a path um, so beautifully, a path to wellness from pain. And... uh, I'm really admiring of the man that I'm seeing before me. You know, um, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of this. Um, My hope 
is that the conversation just sort of reaches out to somebody and it just provides them a little bit of a sense of companionship and camaraderie. Um, and the knowledge that even with unexpected and devastating loss, um, that, that, that we have that strength as we labor on to go forward. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Jerry. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash signup so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human being ever reach that kind of light? I call on the resting soul of Galileo, king of night vision, king of insight. Ready for a more in-depth journey of radical self-inquiry? We've developed a new, free, five-day email course designed to explore and work with your shadow. Get started at reboot.io slash shadow.